Well, Peter just turned into robot voice for me. Oh, did that happen for you too, Marissa? Yes, yes. Am I still Weird. robot voice? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Joe, Jeremy, uh, you should try speaking too. Am I a robot? Yes. Oh, no. Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, or as I'm more commonly known, the voice of podcasting. <laughs> huh, you're getting a little big for your britches, Sean. I yeah. didn't give myself the name. It's, that's just how I'm known. Many are saying. I call you the magnificent Sean Hartman. I appreciate that. Well, I'm co-host Jeremy, but you can call me the magnificent Merrimy Muggles. Oh, geez, I, I totally <laughs> stepped on your... You definitely did. You can't see, but my, my jaw went agape like, oh, Peter. <laughs> oh, thank goodness Sean didn't take what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well... Aside from being a thief, I am co-host Peter Cook, and I am the president of the Salty Bill Fan Club. Salty Bill. William Salter, a.k.a. Salty Bill. Do you know why that would be relevant, Jeremy? No, I have no idea. Oh my goodness, he's the bassist on this record and wrote some of the songs on it. Oh. (laughs) Oh, Well, good thing we have a guest who may have done some uh, research about the people behind making this record. And that person is Marissa Mealy, who is a DJ who hosts a few different internet radio programs, such as Not Your Mother's Tongue on Loose.fm out of London, and Would You Like a Sample on Great Circles out of Philadelphia. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you for having me. Marissa, what album have you brought us today? I have brought you Miriam Makeba's The Magnificent Miriam Makeba. Great. This was 19, is it 66? 67? Yes. 66. It's ni- right. 1966, yep. And the first record of two on Mercury Records. Major label. That is true as well. What song would you like to first feature so we can get a, a taste? Well, I, I think I'd like to go with my favorite song on the album, which is the song Charlie Oh Mama. Yeah, Charlie, parentheses, Oh Mama, right? Yes. All right, we'll kick it off there. Side A, track five. Yeah, this is my favorite song, too. Nao tsetsa munde konzari Tela mama kambanza kanditsyari O mama myani boka yani kakumuye 
Now, I'm on record for liking it when the singing is good. And that singing... <laughs> That's true. It's one thing I know about you. <laughs> yeah, is extremely good. Yeah, I don't think that that would be something most people would argue against. Some people might even argue that the singing is magnificent. I would make that argument myself, yes. Does anyone know what this song is about? I kept meaning to look into it more it's about charlie duh (laughs) (laughs) charlie don't surf you know i did not look into much about any of the songs we're gonna listen to because i got so bogged down (laughs) reading about miriam's life but we'll get to that a little later yeah, I probably shouldn't have chastised you so hard for not knowing the bassist on this album. <laughs> it's fair. It's a pretty daunting task, taking on the several lives that Miriam lived. <laughs> yeah. Marissa, what drew you to this album, or how long have you been uh, a Miriam fan? So I actually first heard of Miriam Akeba from uh, Nina Simone because Nina Simone on her album uh, Black Gold covered Miriam Akeba's song West Wind. And I'm a huge Nina fan. And I was like, well, if Nina like loves Miriam Akeba, I have to find out more about her. And I was actually a, um, a DJ at a community radio station on college radio station in Cleveland. And one of the DJs there brought back this album and he was like, hey, do you want to listen to this before I add it to our library? And I was like, yes, of course. And then I discovered this album and then I bought my own copy because I liked it so much. And that just kind of started me listening to more and more Miriam Akeba and learning more about her life. So that was sort of my introduction to her. And, you know, this album... I just think has so many amazing songs and I know we're going to be covering some of the other really like 
incredible songs on this album. But I love this song. I, I grew up listening to a lot of kind of big band and jazz music. And I think that, you know, this song kind of has that vibe to it that I really like. And I like, I come from, uh, you know, my the shows that I create and the music that I listen to is world music. And, and she was kind of one of the first big world music artists. She wasn't such a big fan of the of the title of world music or being put in that genre. She thought it was kind of, you know, kind of saying it was like third world music or or something that was other. But I, you know, it's, it's, she's an artist that I really love her music and and love the the type of music she creates. And I think that this album has just kind of a lot of different types of sounds that make it sort of something that's very varied, which I really like too. I'm, I'm not so much a fan of albums that maybe just are all one type of genre. You know, I, I love that this is kind of such a, a mashup of different genres that she focused on. Yeah, I always uh, figured the world music umbrella as a genre could be problematic, like Exotica <laughs> for a name. Mm. So I'm not surprised to learn that she wasn't exactly fond of that title. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes it's kind of denying the artistry and personhood of the people making the music and just turn it into kind of a symbol or an all encompassing, like this is just general music from other places and other people. So on some hands, you know, it's music that's finally getting exposed to new parts of the world and people are hearing sounds that they'd never heard before. But at the same time, record labels were quick to put this music and contemporaries from other countries just kind of into a box real quick. Yeah. And I had read that on her first album, the label really tried to downplay that she was from Africa and her, you know, whole cultural identity but then on her very next album, when uh, having artists from other countries was suddenly in vogue in the U.S., they totally flipped and did a 180 and tried to like really push her African identity as almost like a marketing point or something. And it seems at the end of the day, the music can just speak for itself. <laughs> yeah. And she did not write... Most of the, if, if, if any of the songs on this, she, did she write much outside of this? Is that something that she, from what I could tell, most of these are written by other artists, the songs on this album. Yes, that, that's something that I, you know, I've noticed too. And I think it was often commonplace, especially with, you know, female artists and, and, you know, female jazz artists at that time. So, yeah, I, I do think there was, from what I read as well, like the song Pata Pata, which is one of her most famous, she did write with Harry Belafonte. I, I did read that they had kind of a falling out when they recorded that eventually for, for release on an album. But I don't, I don't know that there's, you know, many of her songs that she was actually the writer of. I think later on through the 70s, there would be a few more tracks on albums that she wrote, especially the more overtly political ones. But yeah, often, most commonly, she's an interpreter of songs as an artist. Well, it 
it's kind of early to dig into the bio, but I think we just got to get there because yeah, <laughs> uh, Miriam has done so much. Yeah, even a truncated version is going to be a lot to take on. So let's get right to it. Yeah, and if you're drawn to this music or any part of the story, go digging in. There's a lot more than we're going to have time to mention here. Miriam Makeba, born Zenziel Miriam Makeba, was born March 4th, 1932 in Prospect, South Africa, which is near Johannesburg. The first of many tragic events in her life, her father passed away when she was six years old. And, well, actually, <laughs> I guess you could say Earlier than that, her name, Zenzil, came from her grandmother, who was saying it to her mother during Miriam's birth, because it means you brought this on yourself, because Miriam's mother was warned that if she gets pregnant, there's a good chance she's going to die, and she shouldn't get pregnant. During childbirth, her mother and Miriam did nearly die, but both ended up pulling through. And reasons I don't fully understand, that became her uh, first name. Didn't she also spend the first few months of her life in prison? Yes, she did. Her mom uh, was sentenced to a six-month prison term for, she was making like a homemade beer that she brewed and sold, and uh, that was, she wasn't allowed to to do that. Yeah, and she was arrested like just weeks after Miriam was born and couldn't afford the fine, so had to spend six months with Miriam in prison. Wow. So Miriam grew up singing in church choirs and sang in English, Kosa, Sutu, and Zulu, which I was reading she was actually singing in English before she even understood English. Yeah, just picked it up from songs. Yeah, which is impressive. Miriam was first married in 1949 and had her first and only child in 1950. She was also diagnosed with breast cancer at this point, and she's like 18 here. And she left her husband, who was a physically abusive policeman, after two years of marriage. It does seem that at this point is when she began singing professionally, first with the Cuban brothers and then with the Manhattan brothers, both times as the only woman in the group. It's interesting, yeah. The Cuban brothers, the Manhattan brothers. I'd be intrigued to hear that. I didn't actually seek out any of those. I don't know. I assume there's recordings. I did not look either. I'm not sure. So let's get to another cut before we continue. Marissa, what do you want to hear next? Well, why don't we hear a uh, piece of ground since I think that's another one of my favorites on the album. Oh yeah, that's a jam. That was, I was liking this and then I heard that song and I was like, oh, I'm in on this. I like this a lot. 
So that's side B, track one, a piece of ground. When the white men first came here from over the seas, he looked and he said, this is God's own country. He was mighty well pleased with this land that he found. And I will make him my own piece of ground Now many's the battle he still had to fight And many's the family who died in the night Cause many's the black man who lived all around All of them wanting their own piece of And one fine day in 1883, gold was discovered in good quantity. Now the country was rich and was richer than planned. And each digger wanted his own piece of land. White diggers were few and the gold was so deep. Black man was called. the ground Now this land is so rich and it seems strange to me That the black man whose labor has helped it to be Cannot enjoy the fruits that abound He's uprooted and kicked from his own piece of I saw that that song was written by a UK-born songwriter named Jeremy Taylor, who in the mid-1960s was in South Africa and was then banished from South Africa for ridiculing apartheid. I definitely can hear, I feel like just in the songwriting style, though, I have to think... I hear some Bob Dylan <laughs> right away. Yeah, there's it, it's like a straight up protest folk song. Yeah, yeah, or Phil Oaks. Yeah. And there's good reason for that, but we'll get there as well. <laughs> uh let's jump back in the timeline. 1959. Miriam's like 27 at this point. It's a big year for her. She meets uh, trumpeter Hugh Mesakila, who would later become her husband in 1963. She also met Harry Belafonte, who was wowed by Miriam and kind of helped her open some doors into the United States. Yeah, of course, he is known for songs like... Is it Deo? Is, is that Deo, the... yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's very big at this point. She moves to New York City into Greenwich Village. Right into the uh, hotbed of the folk scene. Yeah. Yeah, and on her very first show, 
catches the attention of Miles Davis and one of her heroes, Duke Ellington. It's a pretty good start. Yeah. Pretty good introduction. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like one of the things that would be in the biopic that you would question whether that actually happened. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> they were all there. Miles and Duke, come on. <laughs> Well, and there should be a biopic because this is like she has such a rich history and so few people would, would know all this information about her. And I think there should be one. Somebody should make one. Yeah, I feel like any like you could do one just on the 60s, one just on the 70s. You could do like a trilogy at least of biopics. Yes. Well, in this song, I think, you know, because you mentioned the Greenwich Village, I mean, you can hear that in this song, like you were saying, with Bob Dylan and and also just that, you know, it's it's shining a light. I mean, it basically is like, here's the colonialism 101, like the colonialism playbook, you know, like what they what what these countries do when they come into these African countries and how they. It's like you take the resources away from people and then you make people work in the city. You don't pay them anything. And I just think this song, I mean, really just kind of outlines all of that kind of terrible things that were a result of the colonial past of these African countries. Yeah. And what was going on in South Africa at the time. I mean, this... This is kind of, I feel like, one of her first overtly political songs that she creates. I mean, I know there's, she is very political in her music. Yeah, and it wasn't lost on her at all that you can listen to this song and be thinking, oh, this is about America. Mm. It was very clear to her that, you know, we didn't technically have apartheid in America, but segregation was basically the same and she had said as much at one point uh, we were just you know we were what two years out from civil rights when this album came out here in america yeah miriam tried to go back to south africa in 1960 after her mother died but she was unable to enter the country because very recently there had been the sharpville massacre where she actually lost two of her family members, but it was an anti-apartheid protest where a bunch of people went to a police station and were, you know, nonviolently protesting, and the police got nervous and just opened fire and killed, like, many people. It's an unsurprising story that has been repeated many times since then. Yeah, it happened again in South Africa multiple times. So yeah. this is, uh, yeah, awful and also not shocking, unfortunately. Uh, she put out her first album on RCA in 1960 as well. It was a self-titled album, and she used Harry Belafonte's band as the backing band for the album. She's catching a wave of success pretty quickly. She sang for John F. Kennedy and was like rubbing shoulders in New York with like Ray Charles, Maya Angelou, Marlon Brando, Louis Armstrong, and as you previously mentioned, Nina Simone, 
who Miriam would go on to share a bill with at Carnegie Hall. I wonder if there's a recording of that. I found that uh, my favorite Nina Simone is live Nina Simone. Yeah. Mm. A live Mississippi goddamn will give me goosebumps. <laughs> Every time. Yes. Have you heard God, God, God? That oh, That's one that is just amazing. I, I think I was put out in like the early 80s. Oh, no, I don't think I'm familiar with that. I'll, I'll look into that. As was mentioned, she was at the forefront of quite a few political and social causes. Starting in the 1960s, she performed for the Southern Leadership Conference with Martin Luther King. She performed for Kenyan independence from British colonial rule concert of some sort. She testified to the UN trying to push for a weapons embargo and economic sanctions against South Africa. And that actually resulted in both her music being banned and her citizenship was revoked from South Africa. So she became stateless. Didn't I see that she ended up in a relationship with Stokely Carmichael? Oh, we'll get there, Peter. Calm down. <laughs> oh, we're not there yet. <laughs> Would you think he was going to forget that? <laughs> so at this point, Miriam is still married to Hugh Masekila, and she wins a Grammy the year this album comes out for an album that came out in 1965 with Harry Belafonte, An Evening with Belafonte slash Makeba, which confusingly is actually a studio album. It's not a live thing, as you might expect. So this album comes out in 1966. It's the first of two albums she put out with Mercury after leaving RCA. She ends up divorcing Hugh Masekela and starts seeing Stokely Carmichael, a civil rights activist and leader of the Black Panther Party at that time. Well, yeah, he was the honorary prime minister. He was really involved with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, and then got involved with the Black Panther Party. Relatively brief time that he was involved with them, really, though, maybe a year. Yeah. Yeah, he was a he became he was a controversial character at the time because he said that you know nonviolence is one tactic we can use but that only works if your enemy has a conscience and the united states does not which yeah. didn't go over great with people in the us even though i think that's pretty hard to argue <laughs> yeah. at that time in particular or this time. So her seeing Stokely Carmichael, of course, gathered the attention of both the FBI and CIA. Yeah, that COINTELPRO. Did you get into that at all? Uh, enough to see that she was being surveilled. Yeah. And then when her and Stokely were in the Bahamas, they revoked her visa and blocked them from being able to travel back into America. So Miriam and Stokely moved to Guinea, and Miriam would not return to the U.S. until 1987, nearly 20 years later. Wow. 
Yeah, I can see why uh, multiple biopics are going to be necessary. Yeah. We're not even out of the 60s yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that really blunted her popularity in the U.S., you know, not being able to be here. <laughs> and she continues recording, though, and performing throughout Africa in the 1970s. She's putting out these really pointed political songs during this era as well. Her and Stokely Carmichael end up getting divorced in 1973. She moves to Belgium in 1985 with her two grandchildren because her daughter actually passed away in childbirth that year. She would then go on to tour with Paul Simon's Graceland tour in 1986 perform at Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday in 1988. Who and she had met when he was a young aspiring lawyer, I had read. Yeah, and he had said something to the effect like, you're going you're going big time. Yeah, Obviously paraphrased. <laughs> she just had that vibe. He was an aspiring lawyer, but not CIA asset. Like yeah. Paul Winter. <laughs> See our Paul Winter episode for that joke to land. <laughs> Miriam returned to South Africa in 1990 when Nelson Mandela was released from prison and she's continued recording and performing until she passed away uh, after having a heart attack on stage in 2008. So I, I really breezed over the last like 40, 50 years of her life. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> there was a lot but. that we just kind of skimmed right through. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot that you can find about Miriam Makeba online. It, there's interviews with her galore from what I saw. Still not enough, in my opinion. I, I think uh, for all that she did, she needs more representation yet, more acknowledgement. That's why we're talking about her here. Yeah, and it's it's just a good story, like such highs and lows. It's wild. Marissa. Yes? What's the next song you would like to feature? Well, why don't we do West Winds? We've been talking a little bit about Nina, so I love uh, Nina's version of this song, and I love Miriam's version. It's so different, you know? I think that was something that's... Uh, was really cool about this song when I heard it because I was hearing Miriam's version after I'd already heard Nina's version. Excellent. Well, let's hear West Wind, side A, track six. Co-written by Salty Bill himself. Yes. <laughs> Here within my heart they lay 
west wind with your splendor take my brothers by the hand sunshine spread your glory You can certainly hear the Nina Simone comparisons on that track, but it also just does a great job of showing off a part of the incredible vocal range that Miriam had. Not only could she sing different songs, but she could really change the tone of her vocal style to fit the song that she was singing. And man, she just owned that one completely. And it's a song that's just buried at the end of side A on this record. Uh, musically, there's just so much to explore with this artist on this record alone. Yeah, that song oozes atmosphere. I can mm-hmm. feel the wind blowing through while I'm listening to it. Yeah, and I think a lot of the the songs, especially this song, it does. It give it's like has a vibe. You know, you feel like you're sitting somewhere, and like you said, the wind is kind of blowing in your hair, and you're just sort of feeling the you know the atmosphere of this music of that song most definitely well sean Mm -hmm. we now turn our lovely eyes to you and ask you the question can you recommend us some similar albums pretty please uh how many were you thinking i don't know like three is a good round number all right, I can do it. A reasonable three is a magic number. That's true. It's also a reasonable request. So here you go. My first recommendation is an artist who definitely took a lot of influence from Miriam Makeba and came on the scene just shortly after her. I'm talking about Letta Mabulu and her 1973 album Naturally. Well. <laughs> That's going to be relevant when we feature our final selection because she, today because she wrote it. Perfect. Yeah, and uh, the last song we listened to, not only was it co-written by Salty Bill, but it was co-written by, let's see if I can pronounce this, a guy <laughs> Good named <luck>. Kefis <laughs> Semenya, who was the husband of Leta Mbulu. But yeah, she's great. Um, records after that point, like later in the seventies are more straightforward disco and are even easier to find, but she's a great singer with a really interesting catalog of music. And if you're into Miriam, then that's a great next point of cheap records to dig into. And of course I got to recommend an album by Miriam's ex-husband, Hugh Masakila, one of my favorites and a guy that we definitely need to feature on the podcast at some point. Uh, his catalog is also vast and incredible, but why don't you start with The Emancipation of Hugh Masekela, also from 1966. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't 
featured him yet, but turns out there's a lot of records out there. A lot of cheap records. Last suggestion, an artist that we have talked about before and another emissary of African culture in the States around this time. Of course, we're talking about Olatunji. I'm recommending his 1966 album, More Drums of Passion. More. Did we just do Drums of Passion when we covered Olatunji a while back? Yes, Drums of Passion, not More Drums of Passion. We recommend both. And I also just want to say that if you liked this record, Miriam McCabe has so many great records that are easy to find. In fact, one thing I was thinking about in relation to this album is this album feels like it could be called a minor masterpiece. And yet within her catalog, this is just one of three albums she put out in 1966. And it's got much better selling and much more famous albums on either side of it. The evening with Belafonte McCabe in 1965. And then her biggest success, Pata Pata in 1967. And this artist doesn't get talked about enough with, her bio and her impact and legacy, but also doesn't get talked about enough in regards to her whole catalog being worth celebrating. So dig in lots of good music to discover here. Well, thank you so much, Sean. And thank you, Marissa. Would you like to tell our listeners more about what you do and where they can find you doing those things? Sure. So I host two uh, online radio shows one called Not Your Mother's Tongue on Loose FM in London. And that is a show that is devoted to new music from around the world. And then I also host a one-hour themed radio show called Would You Like a Sample on Great Circles, which airs in Philadelphia on the third Tuesday of the month from 6 to 7 p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone. And um, yeah. That's that's mostly it about me. Doesn't co-host Sean, DJ Hardbargain, Sean Hartman's show air right after yours on Great Circles? Yes, yes. We are radio neighbors on Great Circles. So I'm always just so excited to listen to Sean's show after mine. Uh, his last show was incredible. Uh, all the new age music. I love it. I, I'm, you know, my... My work is I have been a yoga teacher and I practice Ayurveda, which is a um, traditional type of um, medicine from India. And so I, I love new age music and music to listen to while you're meditating or, or doing kind of spiritual practices. So I really, really enjoyed Sean's last show. It was right up my alley. Thank you. Yeah, the, the two shows make a great pairing. Deep Zones. Yes, Deep Zones is my show. So third Tuesdays. Go to greatcircles.net. We've got the vibes covered for the evening. Is it, as the uh, youngsters say, vibey? It's so vibey, Peter. You have no idea. (laughs) I think I weirded out the interns at my work listening to it because they're like right near my desk and I was playing it. (laughs) That shit's wild. Yeah. You said the edgiest thing they listen to is Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Marissa. This is an artist we were due to talk about, and hopefully our listeners will explore more. Well, thank you for having me on, and thank you for letting me share you know, this incredible album by Barry Makeba. 
What's the last track you would like to share? So the last track I wanted to share was Akana Nakomo. And um, you had said earlier, this is a song um, that is by Latima Bulu. Yeah, and this is sang in the Kosa language, correct? That is true. Great. Well, we'll get out of here on that song. My name is Peter Cook. Thank you for listening to I'd Buy That for a Dollar. My name is the magnificent Jeremy Ruggles. And I'm Sean Hartman. And I'm Marissa Mealy. I will sing. 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 I will sing.